It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday Check-In. I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. I almost said that like a like a stadium or a radio announcer, didn't I? Greg Allen Pickett. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I, I emceed a... Um, award ceremony in high school one time mm-hmm. and the mayor of my small town was there and like I introduced him and he got up and he's like well Greg you could be <laughs> so, so apparently no 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 however I announced him it sounded like I was a sports broadcast or like a sports announcer and he said well Greg you could uh, you could be a sports announcer if nothing else works out <laughs> isn't it strange how these things like stick in your mind mm-hmm. just this one particular yeah so do you have applications out to places? Or? Not yet. Audition tapes? No. I, I was I was on the KSN before local morning show this morning, and I had convinced Esther that I was going there to audition to be on the KSN before local morning show. Yeah? Um, yeah. And then she saw my interview. She's like, Dad, you were just talking about church stuff. You weren't auditioning to be on the show. I was like, okay. Well, you can't just audition to be on the show on air. No. You gotta have content. Exactly. You know? Well then they'll evaluate your performance. So I sent them there. links to all of our Monday check-ins. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> That'll really turn the needle. <laughs> the Monday check-in, for those who don't know, is um, we have a little conversation. We take a look at the scripture that we're gonna use for the upcoming Sunday. Have a little mini Bible study. Then excuse me, following that. We talk a little bit about the, uh, that's on the back side of the sheet. Life of the Church at First Pres Hastings. And we start with a word of prayer, and I think maybe it's my turn. I think so. Okay, let's do that then. All right. Loving and gracious God, you have called us to be your people. You have called us to follow in your ways. And in an attempt to do that, we take time to study your word, to study your scripture, to consider what it might mean for our lives and how we live them. Bless this time spent in study and in questioning and in pondering. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. This coming sub-Sunday, let's see, yesterday was baptism, baptism of Jesus, Jesus day. Yep. Sunday before, I don't know what the Sunday before that was. It was Epiphany. Was it, yeah, Epiphany. Yep, and Doodle preached about the the wise ones coming. So Christmas, and then Epiphany. Christmas, and Epiphany, then Baptism of Jesus. Baptism of Jesus. And now... The season of Epiphany. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, now, now we have... Um, we have the scriptures that walk through the, the start of Jesus' earthly ministry before we get to the season of Lent. Right? Yeah. And yeah, so... Um, it's not like another, like, titled... Sunday. Not another titled Sunday. There is a quirk, though, because we're, we're now in year A of the Revised Common Lectionary, and year A is generally dedicated to the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And so the lectionary is built around Matthew in year A, 
Mark in year B and Luke in year C. And then John gets interspersed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we read the narrative of the baptism of Jesus from Matthew uh, yesterday. And then towards uh, the end of the month, we're going to start studying the Sermon on the Mount, which occurs in chapters, I think, five and six of the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe seven, too. Is it three chapters? It's five for sure. I think it's three chapters. Yeah. Uh, but... This particular Sunday, the Revised Common Lectionary threw us a curveball and gives us one passage from the Gospel of John. And they do that. They sprinkle the Gospel of John throughout all three lectionary years. And more often than not, the Gospel of John will pop up in sort of the the high holy seasons, more like Advent and Lent and that sort of thing. But then every once in a while, they just drop a John reading in on you when you think you're right in the thick of the Gospel of Matthew. Because the epiphany story, of course, of the three wise men is the Gospel of Matthew. And then we read the baptism narrative from the Gospel of Matthew. So I feel like we were cruising through the Gospel of Matthew and then the Revised Common Lectionary writer is like, hey, let's throw a John story in there just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John is not um, good with historical events. Well, John is quirky in that way, right? But John is a much more... Well, they're all... They're all um, artistic and metaphorical in their own sorts of ways. Yeah. But John takes that to another degree. Indeed. Yeah. And John, John, some have called it esoteric, right? Um, so John doesn't always tell narrative in a narrative format that our ears are used to compared to the other gospel writers. But then every once in a while, John slips in a really perfect narrative story that feels like you're reading probably one of the other Gospels. Sure. I mean, John's birth narrative, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, in the beginning was the Word. Right. Right. That's John's birth narrative. Right. <laughs> Which is a perfectly legitimate birth narrative. Just not the one we're used to. It doesn't really have any named characters. Right. Or locations. Right. Or conversations. Or... Details about a birth. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you were trying to build, like, a here's a story of Jesus' life, like, set of lessons, mm-hmm. yeah, John wouldn't be the first one that you'd go to. No. For that. No. He'd be supplemental reading. But what you're going to discover today in this reading, or perhaps you already knew, is that it does bounce back and forth, and there are descriptive narrative sections that, are more like what our ears are used to listening to when we're trying to hear a story. Yeah. At least our 21st century ears when we're looking for a sort of a historical narrative, if mm-hmm. you will, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what the Revised Common Lectionary writers have dropped on us on this, what would be the second Sunday after Epiphany? Sure. Yeah. So with all that out of the way, <laughs> let's read First Corinthians. Okay. Chapter 1, 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where that reading ends. And now the Gospel of John. Uh, This is chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. Uh, The next day... He, he must be John here, right? Yes, John the baptizer. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. There's a little riddle for you. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Which is translated rock. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which add another parenthetical. Right. <laughs> Sorry, the passage ends on which is translated Peter. I just added the which is translated rock because Cephas mm-hmm. means rock, that which will come up later when Jesus declares that Peter is the rock upon which he will build the church, the Cephas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here, uh, but here. Um, Jesus gives him the nickname. Correct. I don't think that's the way that it works in the other. Is it? I think he's just Simon Peter. He just rocks up as Simon Peter. I don't know. I think Jesus names him Peter in more than one gospel. Does he? It I could. think so. Yeah, there's a funny uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. Where uh, it's of uh, 
Simon is a fisherman and he just got new business cards that say Simon the fisherman. Uh-huh. And then Jesus walks up to him and says, from now on, you'll be called Peter. And he looks at his business card. He's like, darn it. I just had these printed. <laughs> yeah. At least he didn't do it in stone. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't actually think that the disciples were carrying business cards that declared they were fishermen. We had to get new business cards for you when you changed your last that's name. A, that's a detail that's not, it's omitted. Have we gotten from the business cards for you yet? I don't know. I haven't looked. I don't have any idea. Greg, what do you got? There's a lot of people just like knowing stuff. There's a lot of people knowing stuff. In this passage. But there's also, I read in here a fair amount of curiosity. And that's kind of what I'm looking at and focusing in on. So John the baptizer is standing around declaring who Jesus is. And what's interesting here is the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. So these are not yet disciples of Jesus Christ. These are disciples of John the baptizer, right? right? And as he watched Jesus walk by, he says, look, it's the Lamb of God. The second time he's done that. And the two disciples heard him say this. And they followed Jesus. And to me, that's like a curiosity thing. Like our, the guy we're following is pointing to this guy and saying he's the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious. I need to know more about that. Maybe I'll, I'll go follow him. It does show a certain willingness to venture beyond one's own team. Yeah. Right. And, and to try to figure out what, what is it, why does John keep saying this guy is the Lamb of God? And so then Jesus turned to them and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which translates as teacher, where are you staying? And the Greek there is interesting. The staying is, uh, is an interesting translation of that word. It could also kind of be where are you going? But the, again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a curiosity, right? Yeah. We, we want to know more about you and what you're up to and what you're doing. What you're about. What you're about. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I like that curiosity. Mm-hmm. That, that's what really spoke to me when I read this passage. And, and I've read this passage dozens of times, but it was this authentic curiosity, a willingness to stretch outside of their comfort zone, to ask questions, to follow someone who they didn't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody else was vouching for him, but they hadn't yet. And, and then, you, then you get down, and, and Andrew is curious enough that he's like, hey, hey Simon, come, come check this guy out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what, what I'm seeing in this passage that's speaking to me this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is helpful that, that the leader of the team is saying, is like recognizing the validity of other teams. Yeah. I suppose. He's vouching, vouching right? for him. Right. Yep. So it's not it's not just John's disciples curiosity, right? It's John's own willingness to be open to other possibilities, yeah. to other ideas, right? To, right. Like willingness to his own recognition of like, you know, I'm really probably not the be all end all. Yeah. I don't know everything. I really probably don't know everything. Yep. Um, yeah, which is a sort of um, 
humility that I, that I think that we could do with more of currently, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, particularly from people who are designated as leaders. Yes. Of, right? Right. Um, and to spend less time sort of rallying the team and more time, uh, like, recognizing that you may have part of the truth but not all of the truth. Yeah. And looking for truth in other places. Rather than rallying the team and claiming you have all the answers, it's it's a it's a curiosity and a humility of perhaps there are others who also have answers that right. that I could learn from. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's not a threat to me. Right. <laughs> that might actually benefit me. Or all of all us. All of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. The beginning of this passage we read has John recounting the act of Jesus' baptism, which, of course, we just studied last week. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's explaining to his followers, I baptized this guy and this crazy thing happened, right? I saw this spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. And remain. That seems to be the key. Yep. All right. And then the I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and, and remain mm-hmm. is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's just interesting. The, the I do not know him too, because technically according to the Matthew and Luke narrative, these guys are cousins. Right. Right, Mary and Elizabeth, and, 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 and their moms were pregnant at the same time. And so, wouldn't they have known each other growing up as cousins? Yeah. Would, yeah. I don't know. You would think? I don't know. <laughs> but maybe John went out into the Swan wilderness get... <laughs> and started wearing camel hair and eating locusts and honey and, and uh, lost track of who his cousin was. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a, it's a interesting detail. And maybe... I don't know how much, to, how much it's really worth spending that much time on it, but... Maybe there is something different about Jesus now. Yeah. That this is not this not the same guy that I knew. Right. Right. Yeah. So in that sense, maybe I didn't know him, or I I know him differently. Yes. Now. Yes. You know, maybe that's that a kind the kind of a thing. Um, it's interesting to me also that. So the the Gospel of John, scholars believe, written the latest of uh, of the four gospel narratives that are in the Bible. Right. Right. Um, and I think that that kind of shows in this passage, where the community is farther and farther away from the Hebrew language. And so we get translations of Hebrew terms right in the text itself. Right. Which, which other writers don't do. Like Matthew doesn't translate Messiah when Matthew writes it into the Gospel of Matthew. It's just assumed people will know what that means. Yeah. Right? And here we get, more, we get at least three occurrences. I had not caught that, but yeah. Rabbi, which means teacher, mm-hmm. and Messiah, which means anointed, mm-hmm. and Cephas, which is translated as Peter, which is translated which as rock. Right. <laughs> yeah, we have to translate it again. Um, yeah, so I, I think that that is just 
a reflection of the different community. Yeah. Possibly. I'd, someone with more knowledge and understanding than me would need to weigh in on that, but that would be my suspicion of, yeah. um, of why we have a parenthetical translation right in the passage itself. Where we, it's pretty rare that we have that yeah. in other gospel narratives yeah. and accounts. There's something else that uh, jumped out to me, but I I don't remember what it was. Yeah, continuing to riff on this this theme of curiosity, I like how you connected that with humility. Um, to to stay in a curious position, sort of uh, hands hands open, and requires a humility because it has you're acknowledging you don't know everything, yeah. and perhaps even you're curious enough to acknowledge that you might be wrong on what you think you know. Right, so there's a humility. the The other part of that too is it's it's hard to hold curiosity and 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 be judgmental at the same time, right? Yeah, because if you do something judgmental, yeah, if you do something that I that troubles me or that I I find is odd, mm-hmm. and I judge you, that's one way to respond to that. But if I approach you with curiosity, like, huh? That's not what I expected there. Tell me more about why that was your reaction or why those were the words you chose or mm-hmm. right? And and all of a sudden it shifts how I'm reacting to you. Um and by approaching the situation with curiosity instead of judgment, it'll it allows a space for me to develop a further understanding and also to in the context of human relations to further humanize, right? Um, instead of just saying, well, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. And I think that that is, I think that is, is true of big things. I think we are, we're kind of talking around, at least I'm, I'm kind of talking around like politics. That's right. Not, right. Or other, like these sort of like really big sort of issues. Uh, and I think it's also equally true of little small things as well. Um, and sometimes it's the little small things <laughs> that annoy me <laughs> more and cause me to think more poorly of someone else than I really should. Um, things like, why like, why do you put your shoes there? Right? Like I, I get home, I take off my shoes like right when I get through the door. Mm-hmm. And I then my shoes kind of tend to stack up. Right by the door. Right by the door. Right? Uh, which can be... Frustrating, potentially, right? Um, but I put them there because that's where I take them off. I don't want to walk through the house with my shoes on and potentially get things dirty. That's also where you're going. And gonna... also because like that's where I sit to get ready to leave. Right. That's where you're going to put them back. So on. it's the most convenient for me, right? right. Um, and stuff like that where it's just oh okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I see why you did it that way now. Right. And now I understand the reasoning behind it. And but I I'm, I'm a member of your family I'm more that chill with it. constantly trips over your shoes. Yeah. And I'm Which nobody does, but Well, but saying. let's just yeah. let's just play this one out here. Uh and I get angry about tripping over your shoes and I judge you for leaving your shoes by the front door as opposed to 
asking you, yeah, hey, yeah. Why, what, what prompts you to leave your shoes by the front mm-hmm. door? Mm-hmm. And then you explain those reasons to me, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. And then I can also solve the problem of potentially tripping over your shoes. You say, hey, would you mind just pushing them off to the side a little bit? I get why you leave them there. That makes sense to me. Perhaps I'll start leaving my shoes there as well, but let's make sure they're also out of the way from us tripping on them, right? Right, yeah. And then I can either, I can more rationally choose to to go along with it or not. Right. Yeah. And, and that's like the, I can either say, well, I still think that that's dumb, but that's but fine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or I can, oh yeah, whatever the case. Right? Well, yeah, and, that is a much better way of getting the last of the peanut butter out of the jar than what I always did, you know, or whatever the case. But there's a story there, I'm sure. I'm just making stuff up. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, I, that's that's a good sort of micro, very personal level example of approaching a situation with curiosity and humility versus judgment um, or assuming that your way is always right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but you're absolutely right that that's that's scalable. Right. That can happen on a micro level in our households uh, or in our office. We yeah. won't get into the details of the things in the church office that we should approach with curiosity and. Mm-hmm. Humility, as opposed to judgment, right? Any place where like people are trying to like Coexist be together, together. Mm-hmm. in some sort of, in some sort of a community, yes, stuff like that is just gonna happen, right? Right? Like, should the Bible be in between the hymnals in the pew, or should it be hymnal, hymnal, Bible in the pew thing? Yeah, and, and again, as somebody who appreciates symmetry, I'm thinking hymnal, Bible, hymnal. But uh, it's I'm just o- always going to be little stuff like that. It's yes. just and it, it's just going to rankle people and cause them to mutter beneath their breath about others. Right. But then we scale that up, and it's the same principle mm-hmm. when we're talking about politics, for example. Um, right. If if somebody wants to pass a policy in the unicameral or in the House of Representatives that I disagree with, if my first instinct is to assume I'm right and they're wrong and become judgmental of their policy position, that's not going to lead to us understanding each other. But if instead I approach that with curiosity and humility and say, even though you perhaps are in a different political party than I am, there's got to be some reason that you think this is a good policy. Tell me about that reason. And maybe I'll come a few steps closer to you and you in turn will come a few steps closer to me. And uh, we can find a way to do something, mm-hmm. to accomplish something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's amazing that it's that scalable from very micro-level stuff to very macro-level stuff, but it's, I think, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and maybe we'll find a place to meet in the middle, and maybe also we won't. Right. That's, that's also a possibility. It was entirely a possibility that when these other disciples went to like kind of check out Jesus, that they they might have found you know nah, I don't really think that this guy is the guy. Right. Like that that was a possibility. Right. Well, and that and, and that happened. very well could have happened. Right. That didn't get recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Sure, others may have. But others there there may have been other disciples who were like, mm, no, I'm kind of loyal to this particular guy, and and your guy is. 
I don't think is the Messiah, mm-hmm. right? But, but again, even if you get to that point and you've approached the situation with curiosity, hopefully there's a humanization there where you see the person as a fellow human being as opposed to just dehumanizing them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and I think the same is true about our faith and our faith journeys. And I think that's important as well. Um, you know, approaching our faith with curiosity and approaching other people's faith with curiosity, trying to understand in humility as opposed to um, trying to convince or clobber. Oh, sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing that we do say pretty consistently here at First Presbyterian Church is that we're about the questions as much as we're about the answers. We, we invite people to come with their questions, and we're serious about that. Yeah. Um, that we have to approach the faith with, with curiosity. God is faithful. God is steadfast. We humans are on a constant, ongoing journey to try to really understand God and, and, and our place in God's world and, and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that requires some humility and, and hopefully some curiosity as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I'm on the record as saying I'm, I'm really I'm kind of tired of answers. <laughs> uh, and I'm kind of tired of like, I don't really find myself wanting to engage a whole lot with people who feel that they have all the answers. Yeah. Like I, there was a time in my life where that was very appealing to me. Right. Like when I was like in high school and college, and and if, and like a few years after college, probably. And now I just kind of find that tiring. <laughs> right? Like, like any yeah anybody who's just like you no, know, I have all the answers. Um, because and I think in part because I know it cannot possibly be true. Right. That they have all the answers. Um, and I would much rather hang out with people who just have questions. Like, uh, yeah, a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, and I think, yeah, that we've talked about it, but that's part of what John the Baptizer, different from John the Revelator, um, is doing, is... Is recognizing that he doesn't have all of the answers. Right. Um, he's got some ideas, you know. He thinks things that he thinks are important, um, but still, there's that willing. This uh, how's the Apostle Paul write it? Uh, now we see in a mirror dimly, or whatever it is. Right. That yeah. one. Well, and even in this Corinthians passage, I think it's interesting that um, Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, um, but this is obviously recorded and, and added to our canon, and so it speaks to us today. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, God is giving you the spiritual gifts, including the spiritual gift of humility, right? Humility is named as, as one of those spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And you are waiting for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so do that with some curiosity and with some humility, God, God will strengthen you to the end. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship. Um, so trust in that part of it. 
but approach the rest of it with a great deal of, of curiosity and, and humility. And I think, um, I think Paul's onto something. Uh, and I, I, I think that uh, these two disciples who are just at what Jesus says, what are you looking for? Well, teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. Mm-hmm. And they're willing. They're willing to come and see. They're willing to suspend their their disbelief about who the Messiah is or isn't. They're they're willing to 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 approach it with curiosity. Yeah. Um, to to follow John's lead, who's told them who this guy is. But um, there, I think there's 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 some something in there that that really speaks to me. Yeah. You think it'll preach? I do. I do. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, to this one. Should be good? Yeah. Time to switch gears? Yeah, let's talk about what's happening in the life of our church. It's going to be a busy week, isn't it? If you say so. Well, Wednesday Night Live is ramping back up. Mm-hmm. And so the church is going to be alive and full of uh, youthful energy uh, on Wednesday uh, from 5 to 6.45. We've got uh, Bible study and family meal time and children's choir and children's handbell choir. And then our uh, adult choirs and handbell choirs are back in the full swing of things with their rehearsals as well. So that's Wednesday. Um, And then this weekend, we got some really cool stuff happening. Uh, We have an organist who's coming in. This is a world-renowned concert organist who's played on some of the finest instruments and in some of the finest concert halls in the world, uh, including like Westminster Abbey and the Washington Cathedral and or the National Cathedral of Washington D.C. and um, a famous concert hall in San Francisco and one in Tokyo. He was actually an organist in residence at uh, what's considered the finest organ in all of Japan for a year. He spent a year playing an organ in Japan and. Uh, his concerts were consistently sold out there. The Japanese apparently had a love for traditional organ music. Um, so yeah, well, this guy is coming here to central Nebraska and he's going to play here in our church at First Presbyterian Church. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, and that's uh, the 15th Sunday afternoon. Correct. At 3. 3 o'clock. Is the, con- the recital concert? Recital. Yeah, sure. Event. Yeah. Music event is at three. Uh, He's also going to play at worship that morning. He will be our guest organist at worship that morning. So Linda gets a Sunday off, which she never takes. Of course, she'll be here. Of course, she'll be here. (laughs) Um, And Jens Korndorfer, who is this organist, uh, will be our organist for worship at the 1030 service. And then we'll be doing a recital or concert at three o'clock. So you don't want to miss this. Truly, this is going to be pretty remarkable. Um, And that is free of charge. Free of charge, no tickets, uh, and uh, yeah, we're hoping to have a full sanctuary. So that's exciting. Also happening on Sunday, uh, we've started an adult forum series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kicked that off yesterday with uh, a forum. It's called the the things we don't read. Did I get that right? I think that sounds right. We'll and, ask somebody. <laughs> it says right here on the paper the things we don't read. Um, and, and so what we're doing is uh, looking at texts that are not usually read from the pulpit Bible on Sunday morning during worship and not usually preached on. 
specifically ones that don't end up in the revised common lectionary that we talked about with at the beginning of our uh, of our podcast here. And so uh, I provided a brief introduction to what the lectionary was, what the revised common lectionary is, and why certain texts may not appear in there. And then I uh, I talked about First and Second Chronicles, which is not necessarily a book of the Bible that people quickly turn to and get excited about reading, particularly because the first nine chapters of First Chronicles mm-hmm. is straight up genealogy. Yeah, nine chapters of starting with Adam, Adam begat, who begat, who begat, and it goes on for nine chapters until we get to King David. And then the second half of First Chronicles tells the story of King David, his, his ascension to king, and all the great things he did as king. It glosses over all of the not-so-great things he did. Uh, because, yeah, because they're, they're chronicling, right? Uh-huh. But they are employed by someone. Yep, and they're telling a particular part of a story. Right. Obviously, you can't tell the whole story. And then uh, the very end of First Chronicles, you, you have... Anyways... All of which to say, that was what I talked about on Sunday. That will be available on our YouTube channel uh, starting today. Uh, And then next Sunday at 9.15 in our adult ed room, the Lydia room, we're going to have Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh talking about uh, the parts of the book of Daniel that are never included in the lectionary and never preached on. And so that's going to be exciting. And then the following week, uh, I think... uh, Reverend Doodle Harris, the chaplain at Hastings College, is going to tell us about passages of scripture that... Uh, yeah, she is, for sure. I can't quite remember which passages that she is hoping to focus on. but So stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think if it's, it should be really interesting um, for folks. It seemed like there was a nice little group gathered up in there. We had a good crowd there on Sunday morning. And then again, it's, it's on the YouTube channel. So folks who are curious about what I had to say, uh, you can watch that. Uh, and you don't need to catch the first one for the second or third one to be relevant. So if you miss the first one and you don't have time to watch on YouTube, just show up on Sunday at nine 15. Um, and then show up to church. It's Sunday at 10 30 because Dr. Jens Korndorfer will be our guest organist and I'll be preaching on this John passage that we've just studied. So, I mean, I mean, who would want to miss that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it should be good for sure. So, and then on January 29th is the annual congregational meeting. Yes. Uh, that'll take place uh, Sunday morning. We'll start towards the end of the, of the 1030 service. What do you think? So. Do, you, do you think I can run a short service again? Like I did this last Sunday and, and, and have us done by 11.15? I think you can do almost anything that you set your mind to. Yeah. Damon's recommendation was that I go back and review the game tape to figure out how it was that I managed to fit a full service with chancel choir and cathedral brass into about 45 or 50 minutes. So I might be reviewing the game tape. Yeah. Do it. A little film session. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to tell the people about? Um... I don't think so. Our our youth group has fired back up. That's Sunday nights. You guys met yesterday. We did. And uh, my daughter, who's in middle school, came home uh, delighted with the conversation and the spaghetti and meatballs that she enjoyed at youth group. Oh, well, that's good. Did you have spaghetti and meatballs? We too? did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We surely did. All right. 
Well, should we close with a word of prayer? Let's do it. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for giving us minds and hearts and encouraging us to be endlessly curious. Curious about what you are doing in this world and curious about how we align with that work. In the week ahead, God, continue to pique our curiosity. Let us approach situations and people with humility and curiosity and not judgment. And God, be with us. Uh, with all of us as we prepare for worship on Sunday, that it may be worship that is uplifting and gratifying and doesn't give us all the answers, but encourages us to ask more questions. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.